this one gets pretty deep. Um, I said, platonic friendship is just absolutely an insane concept to me. I love it. I do. But when you think about it, it's wild. Like, take a romantic relationship. It's like, I'm in love with you. I'll accept all that you are. Hopefully, if it's a healthy relationship. But if I look at a platonic relationship, it's like, I'm not in love with you. And I'll accept all that you are. Mm. You aren't tied to me with the visceral connection of being in love, yet you are still open to everything I reveal myself to be. You leaving me won't be guilt-inducing or heartbreaking, yet you are still here. It costs you nothing to leave me, and you still haven't. Mm. Friendship is also such an intimate experience. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to meet this random person one day and slowly peel back every layer of my emotional fabric for them and tell them secrets I've kept since I was 13 and just interact with them day by day as if they don't absolutely hold the power to destroy the building blocks of my sanity. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. I'm Janelle. And I'm Eddie. And we're the Copelands. We are entrepreneurs, parents, business and life coaches. Lifelong learners and so much more. On this podcast, we share some of our best and worst experiences. (laughs) From raising kids to building businesses or having a career you always dreamt of, we tackle it all. And all the funny moments in between. Look, life can be a challenge and sometimes you just need the right friends to help you push through. Pushing you to the right mindset and perspective that shifts life in your favor. So if you're like us and you're always looking to grow, laugh, and dream big, this is the place for you. So get ready to be pushed. And welcome to the Push Podcast. Um, uh, my co-host was not ready. But is this the beginning? Uh, yeah, I didn't get a uh, go-ahead, so this you is... just started it, and here we are. Uh, Hi, uh, welcome to the Push Podcast. I'm Eddie. I'm Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you can hear, we have a lovely guest uh, with us today, Jordan Copeland, and the crowd goes wild. Ooh. Jordan Copeland is home for the holidays from London. Sure am. And uh, we've got some really good fun reflections uh, that she's been, she's got good fun reflections that she's been sharing with us that we thought would be super beneficial for everybody listening. So I promise you this episode's not going to be just about our kid. <laughs> it's going to be helpful. Yes, I agree with that. I think the content that will be in this podcast will be educational and <laughs> And reformative for most people. Thank you. Oh <laughs> I sure hope so. Okay. Um, do we want to start with a what in the world? Does anyone have a what in the world? What in the world? I don't know. You guys go first. I'll think. You're just on the airplane. Usually my what in the worlds come from flying or yeah. traveling <laughs> uh, or something that um, makes me think. But I will say what in the world? I mean, I have found the water oh God. that will change the world. I'm not going to tell you what brand it is because maybe I can become a sponsor of this. But hydrated mm-hmm. water, y'all. It's hydrogenated? Hydrogenated water. You mean hydrogen? Hydrogenated, I think. Hydrogenated? Hydrogenated water. Oh, I don't know about that. Hydrogen? Yeah. Hydrogen? Hydrogen. What are you saying? I'm saying hydrogen. You're I... saying hydrogenated. Well, right. You you have to... Hy- it's hydrogen in here, but you have to hydrogenate your water. Right. But you didn't say hydrogenate. You said hydrogen... Hy- what did you say? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, Eddie comes home with this device that looks like a lava lamp but it infuses hydrogen gas in the water and he's like try it it'll keep us young and it's got all these benefits and it tastes like ass it really tastes awful it's not it's not awful it's Uh, it's just probably not (laughs) to your liking yeah not to my liking for sure mine either passed high on the the list of not to my liking the question is this is like what are you willing to endure in order to get the life, the 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 um, vitality that you want in life. I mean, is one you know ten ounce glass of water that doesn't taste great going to keep you away from greatness? Yeah, it's oh, not one one ten ounce glass though. You are drinking it all day long instead of regular water now. Right. So I think you need to check the consumption levels. Well, I'm drinking regular water yeah. and I'm also drinking the hydrated water. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting question to ponder, though. I'll think about that. Yeah, yeah think about that. I'm going to stick with my alkaline yeah. water. And the thing is, is you're asking what are you willing to give up for good health? Well, I don't drink soda. I don't drink anything else except water. I enjoy my water. What I see. Yeah, but rarely. <laughs> so I mean, taking I see away, like water, though. But yeah. taking away the one beverage that I consume... 
that has no flavor that I like the flavor of. I don't know. I want to pass on that. Okay. Well, yeah. you, know, <laughs> you know, so I, I want to tell everybody, and you know this too, if I don't share like something that I'm, you know, taking in, um, my wife has a problem with it, which I, I agree. Appreciated it. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I agree. But then like when it requires a little bit of discomfort or, or, um, or it's not pleasurable, mm -hmm. you're out. I'm a pill popper personally. <laughs> like, I, I want That's vitamins great. in pill form. I yeah. don't want to put an elixir in under my tongue, in my water. I don't want to taste the discomfort of the vitamin, mm -hmm. yeah. but I want the vitamin supplements. So I'm a pill popper. Okay. I'll also, fair. shoot me up. Oh. Like, I, I don't care <laughs> how it comes. I just don't want it to taste awful all the time. I'm That's fair. I'm going to take a sip of my water after yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> um, let's move on really quick though. We went to a really epic holiday party. We did. And shout out to the Wongs and, and John, they put together the most well curated party that is not really like a party. It's more like the hunger games and like a, hunger games. a, a series of games mm -hmm. that are very competitive mm -hmm. and highlight from this weekend, instead of arm wrestling, they bring out a literal jujitsu mat, and we're like, oh, God, mind you, <laughs> we had to dress up in costume for this. Right. And they specifically said, make sure your costume has shorts underneath or something because you're going to need to spread your legs. Sounds bad. Mm -hmm. um, so they bring this jujitsu mat out at one point, and instead of arm wrestling, we leg wrestled. And you'll have to watch like our Instagram for it. It was hilarious. But you're slamming a random person that we don't know into the ground. And it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it. I was like, I think my favorite fun is coordinated fun. Tell us I more. appreciate that. Right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. What do you think about coordinated? Like, when I think about coordinated fun, I think it's like it's organized. There's rules. There's there's very distinct reward system. Mm -hmm. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. if you do well, you get rewarded. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right? And so it's just, it's just the best type of fun. Yeah. And there's always, a, like, a, a time limit. As well, like because sometimes when you play and you you just play for too long and you're just like, okay, when is the play gonna end? Yeah. But with like coordinated events, it's like we're gonna do this for ten minutes mm -hmm. and then we're gonna move on. And it's yeah. like, thank you, thank you very much. I think more people will play Monopoly if that was the case. I agree. Yeah, because the last time we played Monopoly, every one of us was like, okay, this is this well, is. By the way, our Monopoly board is still in the ziplock bag. <laughs> last December. Yeah, yeah, so last December we were playing as a family. And everybody got tired. I don't know why we ended. We but everybody is so competitive in our family. We literally put all of our pieces and how many in our properties in a Ziploc bag. With our names on it. With them. our names on it so that we can continue when we wanted to. So we could set the board up exactly where it was <laughs> yeah. last year during this time. Yes. So that's that's coordinated fun right there. That is. 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. We'll okay. play for an hour and then resume next year. All right. Yeah. Done. So. How long have you guys been playing this, 25 this years. game? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, Jordan, welcome back home. How does it feel to be in America? Oh, my God. It feels so great. I was just so happy to step off the plane, show my passport, like, and I'd be like, yes, I belong here. I am here. Um, and it was nice to, like, speak to people and understand what they were saying because, like, I feel like in London, like, it takes me, like, a minute into the conversation to, like, get acclimated to the accent. Mm. And then I'm like, okay. Got what, got what you were saying. Under, I understand now. Thank mm -hmm. you. But right. you're not even talking about just people from like Britain. You're talking about like because there's so many so much diversity. Yeah, yeah. You don't know what kind of uh, like accents you're going to run into, right? Yeah, exactly. There's like Liverpool, like Scottish, Irish, so much. Yeah. And you're in a school that also has so much diversity. Who's the hardest friend that you have to understand? Oh gosh. Um. Or which accent? I'll say that. What's the dialect or accent? There's, I have like two friends. I have a friend from Liverpool. Her accent is just super thick uh -huh. and it's just, it, it's insane. I don't even know how to describe that accent. But also my friend Alea, she's, she's from the Bahamas. Mm. And so she often like code, she forces herself to like code switch to like an American accent so people understand her mm. because when she speaks in her regular dialect, we're like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, genuinely. And, you know, some people text in their dialect slang as well. Wait, what? Yeah. So it's like... <laughs> what? Bruv. Yeah, well, yeah, there's yeah. that. But also, like, Alea will write as she pronounces. Oh. And so I don't understand what she's texting me either sometimes. Wow. Um, and so it takes a little bit of... 
mental translation. <laughs> like, I won't respond to her for 15 minutes because I'm just like well, figuring you're it like out. Trained in the phonetic alphabet, so that if right. you if you can't you know, decode it, yeah. no <laughs> yeah. one can. That's no great. idea. Yeah. yeah. So we were talking yesterday, just like as we were catching up. First of all, I picked my daughter up from LAX on the worst possible day for people to be traveling, but. I had that little baby sign that I had made mm-hmm. at your graduation, and I sh- stuck it out of the sunroof and honked, and you looked at me like, put that back in the car. <laughs> but I was there to get you. Mm-hmm. And we were chatting for an hour or so on the way back, and you were talking about the conversation you had with your friend where you, when you first got there, you were like, okay, why do you say this? And he was like, why do you say this? Yeah. What are some of the words that get lost in translation? Quite a bit. Like, you you would be, like, surprised. Talk about pants and underwear. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so pants over here is, like, oh, my jeans. It's just a versatile word for the things we put on our legs. Pants over there is just underwear. It's just, like, like that's it. So if I say, oh, um, I, I can't find my pants I wore last week, people are like, why are you telling me about your underwear? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. I, told, I told my acting coach, like, oh, I don't have my character pants today. And she was like... I don't need you to have character pants. It's <laughs> like, no, I mean pants, not underwear. You said that the other day. You said something about like, oh, I spilled something on my pants. And your friend said, I think there's a bit of a translation <laughs> yeah. issue right now because I don't need intimate details about what you're wearing. <laughs> she said, oh, yeah, I needed to take a minute and realize what you were saying because it sounded inappropriate. <laughs> but it wasn't. Right. So instead of pants, like you wouldn't say I spilled something on my pants, you'd say I spilled something on my trousers, trousers or my jeans, trousers. yeah, or my joggers, my joggers, you have yeah, to be specific, yeah. very. Like I feel here, like trousers is a style of pants, right? Yeah. Exactly, like, oh, yeah, right. Wide bottom, like slack type Tra- of yeah. trousers, like yeah. Trousers. yeah, yeah. So so that is confusing mm-hmm. like now. Precisely. Because oh, what is, if I don't know what it is? It's not like it's a different language. It is the same language. Right. It is the same language. Just spoken differently. Precisely. But I was buying a pair of trousers, air quotes, for Kayla when we were in Scotland. And I was like, here, take these pants and stand in line. And she looked at me crazy. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she goes, that means underwear. Don't announce that. People are going to look at you crazy. So it's just so many things that yeah. you had to learn and adapt to. Mm-hmm. H- how is it three and a half months in? Um, you know, still rolling with the punches, I'd say, but I'm definitely way more like acclimated Mm -hmm. and, um, I find myself like using the words that they use just because if I say something like that I would normally say, it just opens up a whole conversation. So I'll I'll say like, Oh, do you have a bag of crisps rather than chips? Mm -hmm. Or like, um, may I have a chip as in a French fry rather than a French fry? Cause people are like, what? Right. You want a what? <laughs> so at first, did you say like, can I have a fry? And what did they say to you? They were just like, you're not in America. Mm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. So you have to acclimate. <laughs> oh, for sure. Oh my for gosh. Sure. That's great. Do you think like daily you're getting called on like on something you said? Like someone's saying, what are you saying? Like, like what does that mean? Um, I wouldn't, I, I don't say daily. It's definitely way less than when I first started. Like, when I first started, people were like, oh my god, that's cool. Like, making fun of me, like, <laughs> mocking me. Like, if I said, oh my god, that's cool, they're like, oh my god. Um, <laughs> just, like, going, like, full nasal twang. And I'm like, oh my god, I don't sound like that, no way. Um, but I do, to them. Like, to them, I sound, like, awful. <laughs> oh my goodness. But um, I, thought they, I thought that, you know, like... People liked American accents. Yeah, they steal everything of ours. The music, like <laughs> our shows, our movies. So they make fun of you? I'm offended. Oh, no. It's just I'm because just it's just so different to, like, yeah. how they sound. Mm-hmm. Um, even just, like, the subtleties of, like, them saying, oh, that's cold versus, oh, that's cool. It's like, oh, you switched that. Like, yeah. what, how Wait. am I supposed to know Wait. that was changed? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get that memo. <laughs> so things are not cool unless they're frozen precisely right. Right. Like, I'm just like, and then they don't say she says like oh my god that's crazy they say oh that's mad so I think you should go back and you should like mess with them like you said oh that's cold blooded like <laughs> use like 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 slang that they don't necessarily they wouldn't hear often yeah to really throw them off yeah yeah so it's like cold blooded or um oh that's so fresh man and like they go fresh what because <laughs> don't they say fit 
They say fit, yeah. Right. Fit means not Good. athletic fit. It means... It means, like, attractive. Like, hot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they say mental, also, instead of crazy. They do say mental. Like, oh, my God, that's crazy. Oh, my God, that's mental. Yeah. What? <laughs> it's, it's funny. Mental. I guess that's one way to say it. Um, me and my friend Caleb. Caleb is also from Los Angeles. And so anytime me and Caleb, like, say or do something that's just weird... That's just, like, something, like, oh, that was just weird of you to do. We back each other up, and we're like, oh, it's just something Los Angeles people do. <laughs> so we just lie to people. We're like, oh, no, that's just the thing where we come from. And oh people are like, God. no way. And we're like, absolutely, right? No. You guys don't know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's great. So we thought it would be cool to have you on because... Um, one of the things we talked about before you left was like, make sure you're journaling all of your memories and your thoughts. And you surprisingly have been doing an amazing job all on your own <laughs> and you share these things called reflections yeah. that you're keeping in your notes and you started to share some of them with us. And we thought they were so good that it would be an insightful episode for you to share with other people. Cause there were some things dad was like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, why did you get on these reflections and tell everybody what they are? Yeah, so um, these reflections, I have a class called Artis Artistic Development, and it's all about, like, um, this term was focusing on the self. So how can I develop myself to where I can mm -hmm. fully delve into this work? And it starts with, like, self-evaluation, mm -hmm. essentially, um, because... How can you be someone else if you don't really know who you are? Mm. Um, and so, obviously, as, like, younger actors, we're not going to have all of that figured out. But this is, like, a class to, like, help us take those steps. And so it's just, like, encouraging us to challenge everything that we hear and really, like, focus on... Like, if we hear something, what that means to us. Mm. Or if we see something, like, how, do, how does that make me feel? Um, so that when we're in the industry and we get a script, we can find those ideas like immediately rather than saying, oh, I don't, I don't really have the words to describe how I feel. Mm. Um, so it's just like a tool to get us better at like understanding what we interpret mm. and how we interpret things. Mm. Um, and it's, it's great. I feel like all humans should take that class though. Cause you said, what if I'm trying to explain something or act a part and I don't have the words to express these emotions mm -hmm. and how it's making me feel? There's people I have daily conversations with and I'm like, you don't have the words to articulate what you're trying to right. say. Right. So instead you're acting angry or, right. you know, causing yeah. a ruckus. Like, I mean, the lady trying to do a return at Target the other day, I was like, oh, she just doesn't have the words to communicate how frustrated she is. Right, yeah. So you're learning this, and I just think it's so great, and I'm so proud of you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to share some of them? Because I sure will. They're yeah, kind of mind-blowing. And why you look, at, look for those things, like, the thing I, I'm really impressed about is you need to know who you are before you, like, take you on a character, right? right? And then before you play someone else. And I, and I think, you know, there, I'm sure there's many different reasons, but the reason that comes to mind for me, how my brain looked at it was, one, you don't want to get lost in a character and forget who you are, mm -hmm. especially the more talented you are. Mm -hmm. But also, I think that there's a level set of knowing that there is a beginning of something in the end, right? And so, right. If, before I go into the character, I have to know when I end and when that character begins, right? And mm -hmm. then when the character ends, then I begin again. And that, I think that's so important. I think for people who are not actors, it's almost like you need to know who you are before you go on social media. Mm, right? Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. if you go on social media and like you are watching other people's character, you're watching other people's like life, their story, and sometimes you get enveloped in it, right? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh, this is a really cool story. Or like you're enthralled by whatever you're watching. But at the same time, that's when you lose yourself and you get into comparison, right? Like, yeah. So I think that that, to me, is a powerful thing. It's interesting that you say that because um, what we're challenged to do also is notice and not fix. So, like, if, if I learn something about myself, how do I notice it and acknowledge it rather than, like, saying, oh, that's bad, I should, I should fix it? Mm. Um, so I think when you say like, Oh, this is me before I enter this space or like look at social media. Um, and you should also with the term of saying, Oh, that was, that changed me. You should have the awareness of what exactly opening that app or do, playing this character for a long period of time, how that 
now changes yourself mm. um, and how that's different from when you first started. Notice but not fix. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's like, hard. It's so hard because yeah. we talk about our habits. Mm. So if I like, if I scratch my nose every time I'm nervous, it's like, that's not necessarily impacting anybody else, mm-hmm. but if, if it's something I can notice. And we talk about habits quite a bit because it's like, we need to notice our habits because when we go into a character, how can we slightly alter those things? So the impulse is still in our body, but it's manifested in a different way that a character would manifest it in. Mm. Um, that's great. Yeah. Love that. Share some of your reflections yeah. with us. Should I? Okay. My 18-year-old, super deep, seems like you've been on the planet for forever, daughter. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, this one, I made up this word, I think, but it's called otherization. Otherization, okay. Um, and I think it's relevant to like where I am right now. I wrote this this morning, I think. Um, I said, one thing that isn't really talked about for people who move abroad is the complete otherization that you put yourself through. Like, I moved to London. Immediately, I'm othered. I'm a foreigner. That will be true no matter how long I live there for. I will never have the accent. I will never understand all of the cultural references. And the list just goes on and on. However, once you live somewhere where you are other and you've adapted yourself to accommodate that lifestyle and method of communication, once you go back to where you came from, you are now other there as well. Now, I'll never understand what it's like to go to college. I'll never understand a peer relationship formed at my age that isn't just incredibly invasive, both physically and emotionally, in actor training. Um, I turned 18 this summer, so already I've spent the majority of the beginning of my adulthood not in my home country. That doesn't seem significant until I realize that I don't know what the beginning of adulthood is without the pub or awareness <laughs> through movement, or Tesco, or Yonvelu, which is a dance that I've learned. It's like I have passed the first worst in Super Mario Bros. and gone on to the next one, and I can go back and replay old levels in the old world, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm still stuck on level 7 in the new world, and I have to go back to it at some point. And going back certainly doesn't erase the fact that I have already beat six levels on a completely different world. I also lost Luigi somewhere along the way, and now I'm playing solo. <laughs> I think the Mario Brothers analogy is really good. Like, you've outgrown a certain space, your, your homeland, you know, your home with your parents, but now you've been playing and operating in a different land, mm-hmm. and you made it all the way to level six, and it's difficult maybe to go back and forth now. Yeah. Difficult, but also you were really excited to do it. Oh, absolutely. I think you're noticing the differences. Yeah, because, I mean, if you beat a level in Mario Kart, still speaking in the metaphor, (laughs) it's still fun. Yeah. And, like, now that you know all of the tricks and stuff, you're like, I kind of want to play that again just so I can, like, master it, you know? Um, So it's it's always still, like, fun to, like, go back and play it, but it's familiar. You may still face some challenges. Um, Well, it's fun, it's nostalgic, and it's comfort, right? Yeah, absolutely. But you're also like, you like the challenge now. I think what I'm hearing you say, you like the challenge of playing in a different game, a different setting, learning new levels. Yeah. That makes me really proud. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you think about, like, your time abroad and coming back, is there a different perspective you have now on maybe America, maybe that's too broad, but... Like, are there, th- are there things now that you look at differently? I say, yeah. I think the majority of things I've, like, learned to look at with, like, a different perspective. Whether that's, like, like knowing when to not speak knowing versus knowing when to speak. Mm. Or, like, opinions on just, like, certain topics, conversations, or things. I feel like it's all altered slightly just because I've had this completely different lens of how to look at things. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. Love it. Give us more. <laughs> okay. Um, Whip through some of the ones you were sharing with us because those were really good. Okay. I think while you're looking for that, like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm so happy that you're journaling. I know we kind of talked about the the importance of journaling before you started reading it, but like you think about what you're experiencing and then you, what we were hearing, what I was hearing was your creative take on the nuances of the things that you're experiencing, mm-hmm. um, which play a huge part in like, 
like you mentioned, like finding out who you are. Because when you read it, you you say, "That's my humor. That's how my imagination works, right? That's me, mm-hmm. right? And this is how I saw this particular moment in time, and I captured it. And I think if that's just a, a lost thing, like I, I like we just I was just telling you guys about an app, and so I want to like capture things more, right? And have these moments where I have some introspection and look at something and. In, in, in a more deep way, because I think it just represents you being in the moment. So proud of you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Well, that app, in case you're wanting to do it as well, is the <laughs> journal app on the new Apple phone, yeah, the yeah. update. Yeah, so the update has this new journal app. So you can capture photos, you can type, you can um, do whatever, voice record, and it just captures that moment. So and okay. it gives you like reflection prompts too, right. which is really good. What else you got for us? Okay. Um, this one is um, after I had a, a class and my instructor said, her name's Lucy. I said, Lucy once said that people often in search for love don't look for a lover, but rather a parent. And not in the I'm always cleaning up after you type of way, but really in the actual sense of raising. Like I am helping you grow into something, someone, or helping you evolve from what you are. Mm. I said in a non-lover sense, I find that I've been feeling like I'm being raised by my cohort or the class that I'm operating with um, for the next few years. I said, I think it has everything to do with the fact that I'm the youngest and have also never not been raised. Um, still in, I'm still evolving, and rather than my parents guiding me, it has become my cohort. I feel like I'm being parented by these people quite often. Um, sometimes I realize that Zakib really is actually taking care of me in some brief moments of our <laughs> friendship. Or Sean is just some uncle with strange jokes that will guide me through a tough time. Kathleen, in between speaking to her on some same on the same level intellectually, will feel like an aunt. And I could say the same um, something similar about the majority of my cohort, especially the older ones. Um, I don't mean to say that they are always my parents twenty four seven, but rather in glimpses, I feel like I'm being raised by them. Hmm. That's awesome. It like just warms my heart. It makes me a bit emotional, like because. We did our job raising you. I'm going to get, like, ugh. But, <laughs> but now you have, like, these friends that are adding value to your life. It makes me really happy. Yeah. Oh, honey. <laughs> don't touch me. I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> Give us another one. What about the friendship one you were talking about? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like the intimacy of friendships. Yes, this one's called The Intimacy of Platonic Relationships. <laughs> and then you title them with these like great titles. I'm like, ooh, I would click on that. Thank Thanks. you. This one gets pretty deep. Um, I said, platonic friendship is just absolutely an insane concept to me. I love it, I do. But when you think about it, it's wild. Like, take a romantic relationship. It's like, I'm in love with you, I'll accept all that you are. Hopefully, if it's a healthy relationship. But if I look at a platonic relationship, it's like, I'm not in love with you, and I'll accept all that you are. Mm. You aren't tied to me with the visceral connection of being in love, yet you are still open to everything I reveal myself to be. You leaving me won't be guilt-inducing or heartbreaking, yet you are still here. It costs you nothing to leave me, and you still haven't. Mm. Friendship is also such an intimate experience. I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to meet this random person one day and slowly peel back every layer of my emotional fabric for them and tell them secrets I've kept since I was 13 and just interact with them day by day as if they don't absolutely hold the power to destroy the building blocks of my sanity. How am I supposed to manage that in this economy? <laughs> <laughs> God. I think, are you writing them to make yourself laugh? Because they make A me bit. laugh. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like finding humor in the little lessons or like epiphanies that you're having along the way. Like, yeah. I would read this journal if you put it in a book and sold it. Yeah. Give me another one. <laughs> okay. Um, I said, I think the phrase forgive and forget was coined by the person who was the antagonist in this scenario. <laughs> I also think that the person was trying to say, forget what I have done in order to forgive me. So ultimately they would feel absolved of guilt and continue as normal. The saying is intrinsically toxic. I understand forgiving people that have done something against you, but to forget is to invalidate your own discovery of pain. And in a way that slightly romanticizes human experience, pain is quite beautiful in the way that I think it measures exactly how much you have been allowed to care about. 
By this, I mean, whoa, this, per this person hurt me beyond compare equals, I let myself care about something so deeply their actions have affected my perception of life mm -hmm. and the way I experience emotion. I think that is something that in some cases we can be grateful for. I think, uh, I think I can forgive someone with more ease because they have changed who I am. But if I forget what they have done to me, then I'd be constantly running into the same sadness and the same pain. And isn't that just boring? <laughs> this also, <laughs> as a, this also slightly opens up the can of worms that can there be joy without pain? Yes, I think so. But what converts the joy into a lovely sort of desperate happiness, which I'm a firm believer is chosen, is knowing that pain is a lurking threat. Mm. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> Thanks. I think um, it reminds me of like when you're an artist and someone says like, or uh, what is it? Uh, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Mm -hmm. I always hate that. Like you must always be the imitator then if you think that. <laughs> you must have never had anything stolen, right? Right. And I think that forgive and forget, like I'm, I'll forgive you, but I don't want to forget it. I think right. it's really true. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what I took as your, my interpretation of it is, is you're saying if I forget, then I'm not wiser too. Yeah. Right. right? And yeah. so there's an element of forgiving each, even though you're very, you know, you hold grudges, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> there's an element true. of forgetting that robs you of the lesson that makes you naive again. And I think the goal yeah. is so that you're not naive. Mm -hmm. Precisely. Right? But the goal is that you, you're, you're scarred in a way that shapes you and puts you in a place where that thing that, that harmed you before either won't harm you as much because you've built a callus to it mm -hmm. uh, or you're wiser to it so you don't run into the same problem. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's great. Yeah, because if I forget, then I'm just still at the mercy of right. this emotion, letting mm -hmm. like of letting this emotion overwhelm me. Mm -hmm. um, then the lesson has to find you again mm -hmm. and keep reteaching. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, I'm so tired of teaching this person yeah. this thing. <laughs> She is teaching. so forgetful. Yeah. What the she hell? Is, exactly. So don't forgive and forget. Just forgive. Right. Mm -hmm. So the last time I, I stubbed my toe <laughs> on the damn chair that put me literally in in, in, in hospital, not really, but in tears. Yeah. I, was, I was really harmed. Now I don't walk around barefoot. Yeah. Exactly. He walked to the living room the other night and he goes, oh my God, what am I doing? And I go, what are you doing? Goes, I'm walking around with no socks and shoes on. And oh my God. So dad will not forget. Yeah. Will. And he also won't forget exactly where he stubbed his toe. Right. No, no, I remember exactly what happened. Right behind me. He wants to get rid of it. Yeah. I wanted to throw that chair out the window. What else you got? Okay. I have... Um, I wish there was a way to say, it's not you, it's just the lack of value you add to my life. In a way, that's socially acceptable. <laughs> I'm constantly fighting growing resentment. This was after an argument with a friend. I don't know why I'm struggling so much with this, especially because I've always perceived myself as a loving and forgiving person. My tolerance for bullshit has gone out the window. <laughs> I think that I'm at the point in my life where I'm looking for people who will intellectually and emo emotionally match or surpass me. And when someone doesn't fall into my spectrum of curiosity, then fuck them. <laughs> I also feel like I'm discovering what type of person stimulates me and what topics and conversations. And as soon as I figure you're out, I don't like a particular thing, I no longer want it in my line of sight. I appreciate different perspectives, always. I learn the most from the debates I've had with the people who don't agree with me. But I'm more talking on the people who don't add value to my life. Mm. I wish there was a definitive distinction between when practicing avoidance or, of someone or something is necessary to the development of your emotional resilience versus when it's detrimental to your socio-psychological tolerance of humanity and flaw. Because I just don't know. <laughs> Um, oh my god. That was a particular so, cynical like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a bit cynical. So do I practice but, avoidance? Why am I feeling this way? Right. Because if somebody is like just Cut frustrating it. you beyond reason, yeah. like when is it like, okay, me avoiding them is just doing worse for me because mm -hmm. then I won't be able to tolerate this from anybody else mm -hmm. versus when avoiding them is necessary for you to like breathe. Mm. When did you just cut it though? Like if it was more socially acceptable to be like, okay, thanks. I got what I needed. You got what you needed. Like, 
cool. I don't yeah. wish you any harm, but we're not adding value to each other's like life or everyday existence. So yeah. we don't need to. We're just this. like side characters in each other's lives now. And it's just but like. I, I, often I don't think it goes down that way. Often I think it's one person contributes yeah. a tremendous amount of value. Yeah. And another person is a drains, you know, the, the energy because the person's constantly picking them up or mm-hmm. supporting them, you know, whatever the case may be. Or carrying the conversation if someone yeah. doesn't have, you know, a, a stimulating point of view or anything. That, I think, is the thing that drives me crazy is when people don't have a stimulating point of view. Yeah, and exactly. like, yeah, I, yeah, you know, we could talk about, and, I, and I'm not big on small talk. I want to talk about things that matter. So right, exactly. <laughs> start small, small talk with me, I'm like, you're going to lose me in a second. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 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 Um, it's it's not even about like I disagree with you, therefore you don't add value. Because people that disagree with me add the most value 100%. to my life, 100%. like yeah, the I want to be most. Clear, that's not what you're saying. Oh, because, absolutely, yeah. that's not what I'm saying. It's just like well, someone's listening to this saying like, oh yeah, this person never agrees with me, and I want. to Oh them no, no, not at all. I just I just mean that like people like Dad was saying, people that provide a stimulating. Like, thing. if somebody disagrees with me, for example, and it's just like, no, I'm saying this, that is it. Then I'm like, okay, there's nothing there's for me to say right. where we yeah. both get an interesting conversation out mm-hmm. of this. Even it, like, I, I want you to have points and I want you to back it up. I want you to convince me that you're right. Like, yeah. that's what you I... You kind of come from a family, though, where we encourage, like, stimulating debate and conversation. Absolutely, so but that's... looking for that. Yeah, yeah but that's... Mm-hmm. There's no problem with me right. looking for that. It mm-hmm. just... I think my tolerance for people that don't do that is just <laughs> simply very low now. Yeah. It's funny because I was talking to a friend the other day. Do you have anything interesting to say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I was talking to a friend the other day about how, as I get older, my tolerance level for bullshit is, like, minimal or non-existent. But I was referring to, like, like traits, and maybe you can relate to this, too. It probably is kind of tied to what you're talking about. But when someone freaks out and overreacts, I just, I can't, I don't have the mental space for it. Yeah. And I find it really emotionally immature for you to do that. And so we need to find words to properly communicate this. Because if you're walking around in a constant state of panic, I can't, I can't be in that relationship with yeah. you. Like, it's not good for me. It's not good for you, especially, but I don't want to participate in that. So I just right. don't have a tolerance level for, like, this, oh, my God, freaking out, like, you know, lack of emotional intelligence. I can't do it anymore as I get older. Yeah, and I think that's, like, what I was questioning, like, mm-hmm. by writing this, like, this entry. I was, like... Soliloquy. Solilo- soliloquy. Solilo- soliloquy. <laughs> yeah, I was, like, I was questioning, like, when do... When is it important for, like my intelligence to deal with this and to (laughs) like handle this situation of this person that frustrates me because obviously we should all be able to handle people and to like be in a relationship with people that we just are frustrated by versus like when can I cut that off yeah I don't know that's what I'm saying like maybe we're the problem because I'm saying like as I get older I'm like yeah I just don't have time to hear that I can't hold space for that Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of like empathy for like you're freaking out about you know yeah someone cutting you off okay keep it moving like why are you talking about this three days later it's not that catastrophic yeah like catastrophizing yeah I don't like that. Yeah. I, it, I have a like visceral reaction to it. I'm like, oh, I'm going to change the conversation or I'm going to leave. Well, I think the tough thing is, is like in relationships and friends, um, you know, I, I, and I don't know where you're going with it from that standpoint, but what I'm thinking is, it's like that we, there are friends in your life that play different roles, mm-hmm. right? And I think as you get older, there are certain roles that you don't need friends to play anymore. Yeah. And I think that over time, you're like, what I want in my friendships is this type of conversation, mm-hmm. activity, all those things. Because you, you, you start to realize that time is really precious. Mm-hmm. And so you coming to that realization at, at 18, at 18 is, is profound. Because I think more times than not, people keep people in their lives because they've always had them in their mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. Right? And so they're not, you know, weighing whether or not someone's adding value to their life. They just kind of go with it. And I think that we have more 
patience for people that um, you know, usually drain us or maybe they just don't bring like stimulating conversation or activities right. to, the, to the game to the relationship but it's a habit so they they're always going to be there yeah and one like metaphor that me and my friend like have been using is um we're on season three that was the villain in season one so we don't need to deal with that anymore <laughs> like <laughs> and like also if I, if i had a friend in season one like do i really need the comic relief friend in season three at the mm. moment like Maybe. Maybe. I love that. Seasons of, like, friends and relationships and lessons. Yeah. Like, I don't need that in season six. Yeah, because what, what if that villain comes back like Loki and becomes back as a hero? But and that'll happen. Lesson, you know why? Because she didn't forgive and forget. She only forgave. Precisely. Right? But... We covered that in the first part of the episode, <laughs> sir. <laughs> no, I'm just saying... I'm saying sometimes people are... They, they take on... They don't set out to be a villain, but they take on a villainous, like, uh, space in your heart. Yeah. Because they, you know, they, 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 they ruin a good time, whatever the case may be. And then you mm -hmm. say, remember when and such and such season did this in season four one? comes back, and then they have this, like, redemption story. Yeah. So and everybody give, loves a redemption story. How do you give space for that? I think it's all about the plot. I think yeah. <laughs> have the writers acclimated for it. Do I have space for it? I think that's what we. Does the audience want this character to have a plot twist? Right, though? right. I mean, I will say that it's it's a bad thing to put somebody like in a labeled in a category. Right? Oh, for sure. And then like six seasons later, you're like, oh yeah, that lady was a bitch in season one, and then you're like, oh maybe they're reintroducing her to get us to re like her. You know where this is happening right now. In the Kardashian. <laughs> oh, don't tell me. Is. Oh, it's really? Don't tell you? I don't think I can know. Okay. I haven't seen it. Well, it's an it's an assumption. Okay. Okay, so they're slowly starting to, like a couple, what, last season, Tristan, you know. Oh, Tristan. We, we, haven't, we haven't finished that season. No, though. I know. Oh, this okay. is my assumption, <laughs> right? So they're slowly starting to, well, you know, he's always been a really good dad. And oh, I said, I paused it. I said, they're trying to get take the us audience along to know, to make the audience know all the great qualities that Tristan has so that way when they bring him back for the next season, we accept him. Right. Like they're doing it so much that I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for his hero's journey or his redemption arc. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I think, I think you need to find the balance of when you are forcing yourself to see the good attributes versus when it's just apparent. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I, I'm all for the redemption arc, but if I am justifying to myself, ign like, ignoring red flags, then that's where yeah. I don't need them back in the season. Because if, if, if it's clear and I don't need to, like, justify any of their actions, then that's great. Like, yeah. make make yeah. your comeback. I don't, mm -hmm. I'm not holding a grudge against you, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but I do, but I but do, don't think, do it for me. but I do think that it comes down to the merits and the actions of that person, right? Not so much like you creating the space for them to redeem themselves, right? They have to actually mm -hmm. create the space themselves by their actions and the things that they do that prove to you that they've changed. Like, I think about, um, we watched this show, you never watched it, but we watched a show called Power. And the way that the, this, this show ended, the son was pretty much a villain. Mm -hmm. But then they did a spinoff, and I know the writers knew we've got to get our audience to like him, mm -hmm. right? Because now he's the protagonist. Mm -hmm. He's no longer the antagonist. He's he, like he's the guy. And so you saw in like the first like two or three episodes him do things to to like build this foundation and create space for redemption. Yeah, and then also give you a little more insight that humanizes the mistakes and the things that he did. I'm, I'm sure they gave you so many flashbacks of mm -hmm. like his childhood and yeah. like the things that was yeah, done to him. Yeah, they have to tear yeah. down all of the stuff they did to right. vilify him and then now they've got to like give you rational reasoning as to why. Right. And then you're like, oh yeah, I would do the same thing. And then yeah. he, he wins you over. Everybody's the hero in their own story mm -hmm. and it's just about how much these like writers are going to let you perspective shift into his point of view. Mm -hmm. Like, that it's fascinating. Yeah. Share one more. Okay. Talk about something while I look yeah. for it. I just found it really interesting that, you know, we've been away for you from you for three and a half months and 
you've had all of these epiphanies that literally I know people in their 40s and they're still searching for these epiphanies. <laughs> like I was talking to someone the other day, a couple of people who've been married for a really, really long time, but they're unhappy in their marriages. Mm. And I'm like, why don't you fix it or talk about it or communicate differently or go to therapy or do something? And they're just like, because it'll never change. Okay, but why don't why don't you leave then if there's no hope, right? Right. And what it comes down to is they have a sunk cost bias. Well, I've already been there for so long. I've been in this relationship for so long. Why would I leave? There's nothing else out there for me. Right. And I just like hearing you read this this morning, I was like, she's never going to have that problem. Like you're never going to be in a situation where you know that the relationship is not serving you or it's toxic and you're just, but you know, I'm holding on to this like romanticizing of what this person could be. Like I can tell that about you just based off of your the learnings that you're writing down for no one else to read. You just shared them with us today. And I was so proud of you. I got emotional. <laughs> I, I was I a think, crying mess, I guess. Yeah, But I think <laughs> to also too, and I think this is good for the audience here. Cause I think, yes, they will say something to the effect that, that will resemble a some cost bias. And I think that that's half true, but I also think that some people, the strength of a habit is something that you can't, underestimate right mm -hmm. and so the relationship in itself is a habit yeah right it's habitual. good or bad good or bad right and breaking habits that maybe are for 10 years 20 years you know 15 30 years like those are habits that are hard to break and so what ends up happening is that because a habit becomes part of who you are then at the same time breaking the habit is tearing a piece of yourself yeah so breaking this relationship feels like it's something that's so in embedded in who you are that you can't even see yourself outside of it yeah and so i think that people come up with kind of superficial reasons why they don't make changes in their relationship but really what it is is like well, this relationship is actually a part of me now mm -hmm. yeah but i think you're going to class and every day they're breaking you down a bit and then yeah then you go home and write about well, how does it feel to be broken and how will you rebuild yourself on your own? And, you know, who's going to help build you? And you just are having all these realizations that, I mean, it might have taken us 30 years to learn some of these because this is what you're focused on. And yeah. so this is what you're getting out of it. And it's just like, this is worth the tuition for your school alone. Yeah. These um, are not even acting lessons necessarily. You're at an acting school, but these are lessons that are helping you just become a better human. Absolutely. And I have that. Okay. Here, kind of. <laughs> I'll elaborate on it. But I said, um, this was after like a particularly, like a difficult week. Mm -hmm. And like you said, they're just like breaking us. Yeah. And, and like, we're like, okay, how, how do we build myself up? So I said, I have managed to think somewhat coherently for the first time in a while. <laughs> I said, I could very well be destroying who I am in order to build myself into a one-dimensional artist that lacks the complexity of human nature for the sake of presenting as a non-self-contradictory being who is constant in attitude and belief. I can mimic the vulnerability I've felt in the past to serve as a bridge between what I feel at present versus the amount of information I am willing to let others receive from me. Or maybe I just need some hot chocolate and some tender love and care to realize that it's not that deep. Um, but perhaps I don't know who or what I am anymore, especially as I am constantly diving in to a higher level of self-evaluation, each one supposedly more nuanced but neutral than the previous one. Mm. Um, and that's just like, because I, like when we're talking about what it means to like be an actor, um, and what it means to be just perceived within like a certain light. You want this perception to be re well received from like other people. And so the things that you sacrifice in order to maintain an image is just like so complex. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, it's deep on so many different levels because I think people are willing to or like getting to the next level costs you something. There's a sacrifice of some sort. Yeah. And I mean, there's so many ways to kind of peel that back, but they're trying to do it in a way that helps you be open to like a character. But I think again, it's just like peeling you back to like recognize who you Jordan Copeland are at 18 and who you're growing to become. And 
what do I shed and what do I take with me? And it's just remarkable. <laughs> I love it. It makes me emotional. Um, yeah. I start reading while I was going to cry. I know. <laughs> uh, but it, that's an interesting one because I got a couple of different perspectives on it because I thought, oh, is she talking about her own like ego that she has to put aside every single day mm-hmm. that is like the self-image. Yeah. Right? And so you want people to see you a certain way, but in the process of actually learning and growing, you you almost have to get rid of that self-image mm-hmm. in order to give space for Absolutely. yourself to learn. And so now you're balancing this. I'm in another country. I'm trying to get, I want to have a self-image. I want people to see me a certain way. But I'm also here because I'm trying to learn, so I need to like let go of that self-image because right. it's going to get in the way of me learning. It's like yeah. forget what you know, and we're starting over. And that's a difficult concept for people to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like we talk about this with our students, like have a liquidation sale of all of the stuff that you know, so that you can bring in new inventory. Yeah, right. um, yeah, and it's just it's so hard, like especially with movement classes, like one of, one of my instructors said, there can be no heroes here. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, and it's just, we, we work together mm-hmm. and we like, we fall together. We, we break together. This, this it, it sounds like so in, deep and intense, but it kind of is. It is. Um, just cause this whole term was focusing on, knowing the self before you become something else. Mm. And so it's all just about like, what is your ego and why do you need it right now? <laughs> and it's like, throw that so out. Big, yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause we're doing like these movement pieces where we're like drenched in sweat, like any like idea of like, I needed to look nice today out the window. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and you're just so, vulnerable in front of these people and you have to just convey everything that you're feeling like with your body with your words and your and like your actions and stuff and there's just no room for ego or else why am i why am i here yeah and like um my instructor she'll like watch us she'll look at us and say i don't feel you Mm. i don't i I don't i'm not connected to you you're not connecting you're Mm. you're watching yourself And that's a big thing we've all struggled with. We call it the watcher actor type. Mm. And it's, you're not performing. You're not being in the moment and connecting with someone. You're watching yourself through the audience's eyes. Mm. And that is preventing you from achieving connection. That's so deep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that goes back to the ego thing, right? Because that's like, you're acting, but your self-image is having you watch yourself like an audience because you're trying to control how people see you. Yeah. Which is not your place. Mm-hmm. Right. And so your place is to be in that moment, to be in that scene, to be, you know, whisk away in the storyline and the character, right? but not be there in a sense of you're saying, I'm going to do this because I want the, I want the audience to see me as this good actor, or I want the audience to see me portray these things. And that's another just, it's a different version of your ego, but a lot of it is the same because yeah. I think we, we, we struggle with that in, in outside of the arts mm-hmm. of just like you're constantly living up to what you thought, what you want people to believe about yourself. And so you have to do things and, and make these choices so that they do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, but at the same time, you're never being real. Mm-hmm. And then you're also not allowing yourself to grow to, to what you're supposed to be or what or to be aware of what's going on around you that could be really shaping you in a, in a more progressive and positive way. Right. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. When you go back to school in another couple of weeks, what are you like? Is there a, cause you're going to go back and it's going to be a long stretch. You're going to go back January. You'll be there till July. Um, what are you going back or what kind of mindset do you think you need to give yourself to go back with the energy you need to face the next term? Yeah. Um, quite a bit, I'd say, like, I'm, I'm, I'm taken through, there's, I I think I have to keep on going with patience, Hmm. for sure, Mm -hmm. trusting the process has, like, always Mm. mind-boggled me, because I'm like, 
I always seem to think that like success and achievement is linear and it's just not, um, Mm. it's not a straight line. I like, I've been imagining it as a staircase rather than like Mm. a climbing slope, just cause like you can stay at one level forever and you're just like up against this wall, up against this wall. But then one day you wake up and you've just jumped the step. So I think patience, trust the process. Mm. Um, I also just don't want to waste any more time in making myself seem small. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Because you shared that with me that your instructors gave you feedback. Yeah. Can you tell everybody? Cause I think that that's a huge thing. Yeah. So I, I received like feedback at the end of this term. Um, like they, it was like my reflections with my acting coach and she said, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm curious about the reason that you've done this, but I, I have a little note that um, the instructors have talked about in our meeting that we noticed that when you have something to say, you just don't. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I guess you're right. I, I do often have things to say. And, um, but she's just like, we would love your participation. Um, because that is, again, it refers back to, we have to talk about things that we feel right in the moment. So we like learn how to do it faster and easier every time. But, um, she's like, it's important for your development to share your first thoughts, even if they aren't perfectly crafted. Mm. And she was just like, tell me like a little bit about that. And I was just like, I think that I also have this in my notes app somewhere, but I said, I think that I'm just so very aware of the space that I take up in a room. And I've always been very apologetic about it because I always, I, I think I seem to have the impression that I'm inconveniencing people when I share something that I, I, I like or something that's just not, that's not relevant. I'm like, it's not relevant. So I, I don't need to waste your time with this. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've always like followed the rule three before me, um, <laughs> when it comes to like discussions. So it's like, okay, one person spoken, another person spoken, another person spoken. I'll speak now maybe. Right. Well, um, you said something to me, though. You said if three people have spoken and they've said similar to what I've already thought, then I, I won't don't need, raise my yeah, hand. Yeah, it doesn't need to be said. Yeah. Right. And so you said that to the instructor, and they said, basically, who are you to rob everyone else from hearing how you would articulate exactly. it? And you said, well, I don't want to take up unnecessary space. And I thought it was really interesting when you said that, and they said they wanted you to take up space. Yeah. And so... It was definitely hard for me to hear. I was just like... Yeah, like, I'm struggling with that. (laughs) I'll work on that. Um, But she said, I don't think you could take up too much space if you tried. And she goes, my challenge for you next term is to try. It's just try and take up too much space. Mm. And I want to see where that puts you. And I was like, okay. Um, So I'm just going to refuse to make myself small. (laughs) I love you. Yeah. I love that, honestly, because we work with a lot of women that like they don't speak up or they don't think that their opinion matters. And so they're just like, oh, I don't want to inconvenience people or, you know, take up too much space or anything like that. And I love how that's going to challenge you going into this next semester to take up more space. Yeah. Um, Because I think you are so insightful, not just because I'm your mother, but I know how you write. I know how you articulate. It's very thoughtful. And people will benefit from hearing you speak, even if you say it in a different way. Mm. And so I thought that was great feedback, and I'm excited for that growth. Yeah. It's like, um, if I am always writing things down and my peers are talking, like, why do I have the perception that it would be different if I were to speak? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just... Speak up, girl. Thank you. I, I will. It. And thank you for speaking on the Push Podcast today. Yeah, for today. sure. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I love, yeah, I love you as well. I <laughs> love you. I'm proud of you. I think that um, you're insightful. We already know this, a lot of stuff about you, but maybe the audience is now learning why we think you're so amazing and yeah. special. I hope but so. You're just an articulate young woman with a, a, a great assortment of words that you carefully pick and curate you know these beautiful (laughs) stories and you've written great stories before so you're a good storyteller Mm. and you're capturing these stories and memories for your own self 
And I think it one day is going to help you like write a book, a memoir. That's going to be like probably the best memoir ever. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm on the memoir kick. And let me tell you, I would be laughing at your memoir. Yeah. Oh gosh. So thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming home. Oh, happy to be here always. I'm so glad you're on our time zone. Uh, my um, Mario world. <laughs> I know. And, you know, you, you brought this London cold weather with you. It's going to rain I in know. L.A. for the next three days. And it's not supposed to rain in Southern California. And she needed to come home for the sun. I needed so, the tan. I needed yeah. everything. So we're going to pray this bad weather back to London. Pray it away. Yeah. And we want 80-degree Christmas is what we want here in L.A. So mm-hmm. um, if you're listening to this, I hope you are geared up to have an amazing holiday with your loved ones. And hopefully today you got some good topics to maybe spark some great conversation around the holidays and that's it thanks for being here thank you you're going to continue to push through absolutely push through bye guys bye thank you for listening to the push podcast Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time, push through.